know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. For the first time since 2004, the Toronto Maple Leafs have reached the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. How does that sentence sound to you, CJ? Well, I mean, it's a weight lifted is what I think it is um, for a whole host of people and a whole host of reasons. You know, just being in Emily Arena last night was was really struck by what a sort of cathartic release it was for a lot of different people that have worked for the team for a long time. I mean, you got the obvious characters, the players that take, you know, a lot of personal heat and have been questioned a lot. You've got, you know, Kyle Dubas there with, with Jason Spezza and Brandon Pridham, sort of the front office staff. You've got Sheldon Keefe and his coaching staff. You've also got all the support people that work around the team. Um, and many of them have been with the organization a long time. And, and it was just pretty fascinating for me to almost just be a fly on the wall, honestly. I mean, from from the time that that puck goes in, you know, we, we, we go to the elevator and, you know, we'll say within 10 minutes, you're kind of in that hallway and dressing room area. And then I just basically stood for 45 minutes and watched it play out. It had some small interactions with players and people as they came by. And, uh, it, you know, you could really feel like this was something. This meant something. And, and for anyone, just let's jump the conversation. For anyone who's making fun of Leaf fans or even the team, like, you know, I, I think that that's it's just stupid because – you know, on one hand, you can't kick them for never getting past the first round and then say, oh, why? Why is everyone so happy they, they got past the first round? OK, that's fair. Uh, one thing, because I want to continue that discussion. Uh, you're at the airport. How many Leafs fans have you encountered uh, since you got here? There's a fair bit. There's a fair number, even, you know, because I'm having a later flight out here on Sunday, you know, just going for my run today downtown Tampa. There's a lot of sort of Matthews and Tavares sweaters around town. So I think... Uh, Take a good number of people travel down to the game. Quite honestly, it's probably from a cost standpoint, almost a, a net even when you when you just factor in how much cheaper the tickets were in Tampa and obviously a nice place to visit. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen a few fans and uh, I think a few people had a few drinks last night. Oh, I, I bet they did. I bet they did. I, I want to go back to the discussion with making fun of Leafs fans uh, for celebrating the first round the way that they did. I think back to my playoff memories as a fan and not none of them have anything to do with celebrating a team that made it to a Stanley Cup final. Like even winning a first round, and I get that circumstances dictate some of that, I think plays a huge role uh, in, in, in how you celebrate some of those wins. So I can't blame Leafs fans for celebrating reaching a round for the first time in 19 years. Like that's a... That's a significant deal for them. I'm I'm kind of with you there. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna knock them knock that team for not making it to the first round, you kind of have to pull back when they actually do it. I don't think it ends every single joke surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs, mind you. But I I think for this particular instance, that is a hurdle that they did clear, and it is fair to just kind of let them have their moment to celebrate. That's at least how I see it. Well, winning's hard, man. I mean, this is winning 30- the Stanley Cup's hard. But it's a 32-team league. They're already down to the final eight. I mean, that you, you've you've had a much better season than a lot of teams just by getting to this point. And I, again, I'm not saying put up a 
I'm not, you're not putting a banner up, you know, got through the first round, beat Tampa. I, I get it. There's, there's larger goals here. I'm sure everybody understands that. But at the same time, I think along the way, you can stop and enjoy, you know, smell the roses a bit. I think it's probably instructive for all of us in our lives to celebrate our, our smaller victories and not just wait for the big ones too. And, and so, you know, that, that's, it was, it was cool to see them. You know, I, I was on the ground. Obviously I, I saw some of the videos of the fans, but I was really removed from it because I was, with the team, but just seeing how much it meant to those guys. And, you know, they had, they had a few drinks and were, were happy and hugging. And, you know, you could tell like some joking, goofy conversations the way you would be, but some, a few serious ones too. I mean, it was, that meant a lot to a lot of different people. And I imagine that it was similar for the fan base and anyone around the organization. And I, I just think, you know, it, in today's game, it's going to be so hard for anyone to win the cup. I mean, even if you just did it statistically, it's once every 32 years. Um, we all plan to live a long time, but it just means you could follow one team and never see them win uh, unless you have a long life. And so, you know, what Tampa did was out of the ordinary, how much they've won. Uh, I think you, you should kind of commemorate the moments and, and good on the Leafs and the fans. And look at the way they got it done, man. Three overtime wins on the road uh, in a playoff series. It's never been done before in all of NHL history. So, I mean, there was... A lot of drama. It obviously could have went the other way. I mean, Steven Stamkos mentioned he thought the Lightning actually played better in this series than last year's series. Um, the margins were small, but, you know, the Leafs, who sort of had a reputation as coming up small in the big moments, found a way to get the job done, and I think they should be commemorated for it. By the way, for those who haven't done so already, uh, please check out Chris Johnston's latest on uh, northstarbets.ca inside a wild Maple Leaf celebration 20 years in the making when CJ says he was on the ground and he was able to be a fly on the wall. Literally this article is a, such a brilliant way of showing the fact that he was a fly on the wall and seeing all the different reactions, the butt light coming in uh, for all the players celebrating. I just want to say it was a fantastic article and everyone listening to this podcast should read it. And I, I would love to know from your vantage point, like just seeing everything going on in that room, What's like the one moment amidst the sea of moments in that locker room that stands out to you the most? Hmm. It's, a, it's tough to say just one. I mean, I, I, for me, it might be Morgan Riley. Um, and and it's, it's a couple moments with him. But, you know, he, he was drafted so long ago, fifth overall in 2012 by the Leafs. He's their longest serving player. He signed an eight-year extension. I mean, he's planning on having a whole lifetime uh, with this organization playing lifetime and, you know, he's been through all the crap and, you know, he had such a big series, you know, he has the moment, you know, he doesn't get an assist on the overtime goal, but you know, he's one that's going to the net uh, when Tavares throws it you know, there and, and it goes off Radish that the Tampa defenseman skating in. I mean, if Riley it's overtime, right? He's a defenseman. If he isn't at the edge of the crease, First of all, the Leafs probably don't win the game on that play because it's going to be a very easy save for Andre Vasilevsky. The fact he went there disrupted what the defensemen were doing coverage-wise. and But it also shows a mindset, I think. Like, he was attacking to win. He wasn't playing not to lose. And so he was in the hallway after, and he was sort of having a quiet moment at one point. And I actually just said to him, you know, was it worth the wait? And, and he looks up, he goes, it feels pretty fucking great. Um, you know, and then it's funny. Sheldon Keefe came along just shortly after, and Riley got really animated. And I don't know if you watched the replay enough to notice this, uh, Julian, but he was saying to Keith, like, man, you called it because if, if there's this one replay 
that when Tavares is cycling around the net, you can read Keith's lips pretty clearly saying, get to your forehand uh, with an expletive put in there. Uh, and what is what happens? Well, he gets to his forehand and the puck goes in the net. And, and so Riley had seen the replay, obviously, and was like all buzzing with Sheldon about, you know, that. And it just just sort of, I guess, for the really for the people who've been around a long time, you know, there's a lot of support staff. I mentioned like Bobby Hastings, the Leafs head equipment manager, has been there a long, long time. He's not an old man, but he's he's grown up with the team and you know, just seeing how happy they were, a lot of the hugs. You know, there's not maybe one poignant, perfect moment to sum it up. It was one of those things where you just looked around and it was like the cumulative energy and the, and the excitement and the laughs and the, you know, obviously, as I say, guys drinking a couple beers and making jokes and, um, you know, these guys have taken a lot of shit and, and honestly, they, they've earned a lot of it too. Like, I'm not saying unfairly. When you, when you go 0 for 10 in elimination games... Uh, you've earned you've earned the right to be questioned about whether you can get it done and, and earn the right to have people say, should this team be blown apart and all that sort of stuff. Um, but they did it, right? They finally did it. And that was, it was pretty, like, I, I can only imagine, they must have they must have kept going into the night a little bit too. I was only there for, you know, the, the, basically the time right after the game as everyone's sort of, you know, packing up their gear and going for the showers and then eventually going to the team bus. But, you know, teams typically celebrate a playoff win privately kind of thing. I think that that's sort of standard operating procedure. And I think those Leafs had a good night. And then, amazingly, they'll be, they'll be back at practice on Monday and preparing for their next opponent. Yeah, as of now, as we're recording this, we do not know who that opponent is. Uh, the one thing I will say about this Leafs victory, I do want to get to some Tampa side stuff too. But the one thing about this Leafs victory that I kind of find sort of amusing being in the CJ show group chat, obviously, you know, you and I were in the middle, but you have all the Leafs fans that are there and you see the reactions. Like, obviously I'm not watching Leafs games as close as you guys are. So throughout the season, I'm seeing all these different groans and reactions to people like Morgan Riley or Alex Kerfoot. I don't know how many times John Tavares has come up in that, but there have been a lot of people, especially since last year who, for whatever reason, have put John Tavares into the doghouse. All three of those players I just mentioned had big moments in this series. John Tavares can say he has ended playoff series win droughts for two different franchises as a result of what he did on Saturday. And I really hope that for a lot of those fans, those Leafs fans who were dunking on those players, I hope their apologies are as loud as the disrespect. That's all I have to say. Fair. And, and you know, this is, it illustrates a larger point. Like, what's at stake in the playoffs, right? You can change everything. Like, it doesn't matter what your regular season was. What, you know, what fans are going to remember, they're going to remember that John Tavares goal. I mean, I'm telling you, there's, right, there's kids that are, not even kids, there's 30-year-olds that have been cheering for the Leafs since they were 10 and haven't seen that moment. So, I mean, you, you can imagine when you've waited that long and, and it's dramatic and it's in overtime. I mean, I just think that adds to it. Uh, you know, obviously a bit of a, a lucky goal with the bounce they got, but that'll be something that will be remembered for way more than John Tavares' statistics or how many goals he scored in the 2019-20 season or whatever other random thing we're going to pick out. And you know, I think that's what's really cool for this team because these players have expected it for so long and all the stars, frankly, showed up in a series to varying degrees for the Leafs. Um, you know, Austin Matthews had just an awesome closeout game, I thought, a beastly 54-second shift in the second period that led to the, the one nothing goal that he scored. Uh, he had four shot attempts on that on that sequence in that shift. Uh, finally gets one in. It even calls for the pass from TJ Pro. I mean, just kind of like what you expect. It was like superstar stuff. And, you know, that was his best 
uh, series by points that he's ever had as a Leaf. Same for Tavares, same for Morgan Riley, same for Mitch Marner. William Nylander was only one off his uh, best ever series in terms of points. You know, Ryan O'Reilly came in and scored some big goals. I mean, I, I just feel like it was one of those ones where everything came together. I mean, even, even Ilya Samsonov leaves with maybe some tough statistics in terms of save percentage, but he was, he was really good, uh, you know, facing his countryman and Andre Vasilevsky in game six, made some really tight saves. And, you know, in a game where literally it's 2-1 final, I mean, just like last year, it was 2-1 in game seven, another 2-1 game. I mean, obviously either team had a chance to, to really win that one. Um, and, the, and the Leafs guy stepped up. What about Matthew Nice? I mean, 20-year-old 20 20-year-old kid who literally three weeks before lost the NCAA championship in overtime at Emily Arena. He's now won three overtime games in the playoffs with the Leafs in that rink, and he was on the ice for all three goals. Like, you couldn't even you couldn't even make that up. Like, it's, um, you know, I guess I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but I suppose the larger point is this. You, you, you might get dogged on for game 62, what you do, or... or a, you know, a stretch of the season where you're struggling, you're not producing enough, but it all goes away if you have these moments. And the Leafs had a bunch of moments in this first round that, you know, allowed them to knock off the beasts of the East. And, uh, you know, the one thing I'll say, Julian, and we don't know, as you mentioned, there's a couple series that haven't been finished as a recording. I actually believe when we get down to the final eight teams in the second round, like that all those teams legitimately can believe they can win the Stanley Cup. Like, I think, I think it's open enough in my eyes it doesn't feel like it's one team that's like it's their time or they, like, you know, Colorado, for example, gave me the feel of like they weren't going to be denied last year. I just, I don't have that this year. And so, you know, you have these moments if you're the least, but like they can legitimately wake up today. And, and I believe say to themselves, like, we're good enough to win the Stanley cup. Now you got to go do it. You got to find those bounces again. You're probably, you know, things aren't going to go your way. <laughs> this, you know, this is just one small step of the journey, but it, it, it I think, Given that relief I talked about, the weight off them, like, let's see where the spaceship can go now. I mean, I, I just think that, that the, mentally they will be unburdened, and I think that they're going to have a stronger and deeper sense of belief than they ever had before. Uh, have any of those guys mentioned if they would rather Boston or Florida in the second round? No. I mean, to be honest, I didn't ask that question of anyone um, directly with the team. Uh, you know, I, I, it's a hard one to call because Boston has looked a little out of sorts, right? You know, heading into game seven, which is tonight, Boston hasn't looked like the team that won 65 games in the season. Um, but I, I think that you, you just take whatever you, you do. I mean, if you if they get Florida, they have home ice advantage, which could be a bit of a difference. Although this ended up being a road series with them winning three games on the road in round one. Um, but I think that they're just happy to have the chance because there's been a lot of times, well, every other time for 19 years that when you got to this stage of the season, Leafs players were golfing or going on vacation or watching the rest of the playoffs on TV. Um, there's one other stat I want to I wanna bring up, which you know, we were bringing up a whole sequence of them, uh, a whole set of them uh, a couple moments ago. Sheldon Keefe, this is from Jessica Corbett. Sheldon Keefe is the only living person who has coached the Toronto Maple Leafs to a playoff series win. It's wild. Let that sit. It's wild. That's insane. I mean, like, you go you, you go deep enough down that rabbit hole, man. Like, look at the people in the lineup. I know we did the Ron Francis talk the last one, but like, look at who played in the, the game the last time. I mean, Jason Spezza was a young star for the Senators back then, and and you know, last night he's sitting in the the press box celebrating, working in the Leafs front office. I mean, 
time goes quickly in pro sports, right? So 19 years is an eternity, an absolute eternity, uh, especially for a franchise that has the financial clout the Leafs do. I realize in a salary cap that's mitigated in terms of what you can spend on players, but, you know, it should still be an advantage. Um, and just the kind of the, the passionate fans they have, you, you would think that that would be a positive thing, but it, it, it became a negative. I think they had poor management prior to this current group. The current groups had to stick with it, but, I, you know, they've made a lot of good decisions. And, you know, I know that, that the Lightning have a ton of respect for Leafs, like even before this series, that, that, you know, everyone might make jokes about them not getting past the first round, but I, I think, you know, if circumstances were different, it probably would have happened sooner than now. But it, it had to happen now, and they delivered when it had to happen. If it didn't, you know, you know what we'd be talking about on today's pod? We'd be talking oh, about, yeah. you know, the choking situation they're in. We'd be talking about whose job's on the line and all this stuff. I, I think all that just fades into the background now, and we'll deal with it whenever they played the last game. I think there was a, I think there was a really good rant in you if there was a game seven on Monday. I firmly believe that if if the Leafs lost game six on Saturday night and we were about to enter, like we're doing this recording today on a Sunday ahead of game seven, I firmly believe we were going to have a rant for the ages from you. <laughs> it was it was building in there. It was building. I mean, I, one thing I was wanted to see it through this series is like I wanted to see someone get angry about the situation, right? Um, even if it was at reporters, like I, I get it. it. It's it's not nice to be asked all these questions again, and again, and again. I mean, th- it, this is something though I think largely goes away now. I mean, I I'm not saying they're in the clear. I, I mean, we can even debate if they if they just go lose, you know, kind of easily in the second round. Is that enough? Like I think that there's all the, all that discussion is fair, but I just think they won't be asked the sort of like in nicer terms, are you guys a, you know, pack of choking dogs? Like they, they, they prove they're not. I mean, they, they just knocked out the three time Stanley cup finalists. Um, and you know, they did it by erasing a three goal third period deficit in a game by scoring another goal in the final minute with the goalie pulled, you know, pulling three out in overtime by getting absolutely, you know, kicked in the face in the first game of the series and responding two nights later and getting a win. I mean, they, they were tested there, right? And they, but they, they showed they were strong enough for the test. And, and again, I think if you're if you're in the Leafs front office or coaching staff, what you're feeling best about today is your best guys had their fingerprints all over this. Like, it, it's not to say that none of them, you know, there was some tough moments in the series or tough games. You know, Nylander got benched at one point. Um, you know, in Game Four before ended up getting three assists and later on. But you know, that's going to happen. I think the point is, is all your your players that that are paid to get the job done, got the job done at various points. And that's why, that's why you still got games to play. Right. It's not to say John Tavares dominated every shift he was out there, but he was pretty darn good controlling that puck and overtime, finding it to a spot on the ice where he could just throw it towards the net and hope for a good bounce. And, um, you know, the most tortured fan base in the NHL got a good bounce for a change. For a change. Um, what about the Tampa Bay lightning? What's next for them? They lose in the first round. I, I firmly believe that there were so many stretches in this series where they did look like the better team. I think in all three of the losses they had at home, they were the better team in those games and they lost. They did not close out the Leafs when they had the opportunity. What do you do with this roster? We know the chapter's closed in terms of all those successive cup final runs, but what's next for them? I think they, they're going to have to find a way to get a little younger. Um, you know, if you look at their contract situations, a lot of their veteran players, whether it's Corey Perry, Pat Maroon, Belmar, Alex Clore. And I mean, those, those guys are all eligible to be free agents. I'm not sure how many of them, if, if any, will be back. 
Um, but they have to keep turning it over and kind of doing what the Leafs have done. I mean, the Leafs have rebuilt again and again. They're, they're what's called their bottom six or their support players. Um, Tampa's done it too, obviously. I mean, they, they, they both acquired and lost, you know, Gord and Goodrow and Coleman. Um, you know, they, they found their way through all that, but I think they're going to have to keep doing that. But, you know, beyond that, I think you run it back. I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly not closing the chapter on the Lightning. You know, it's going to happen at some point. But I thought, you know, Steven Stamkos had a really good series, for example. Victor Hedman probably played his best hockey of the year after a regular season where he wasn't at his, his, his top level too often. Uh, you know, a bit of a quiet series for, for Braden Point. Nikita Kucherov had a strong start and then kind of faded a little bit. I mean, maybe some of the story of the series is they might have actually run out of gas a little bit. I mean, it, maybe that's a convenient narrative, but I think there's also something to it. And that's maybe part of being older, too. And some of those veterans just didn't have, you know, the fourth line, for example, the, the, the Perry Maroon unit. It, it, it had some really good moments early in the year, early in the series. And then by the end, just was kind of fading away. So, you know, I, I think Julian Breezebois, I've got nothing but massive respect for him and his staff. And so I, I expect they'll get right back to the drawing board and they'll, they'll be making low key good signings. I mean, I don't know if you watch much of Mike, Mikey, a same uh, but he, he looks like a player and they found him kind of out of nowhere from San Jose, so to speak. Uh, he looks like someone you can, the way he skates can, can be in a lineup uh, if placed in the right role. So I, I think they're just going to continue, you know, Darren Radish, it's unfortunate for him that the puck in overtime goes off his skate, but that guy has played like 30 NHL games and he was playing 25 minutes a night in the series and he looked good. And, you know, that's situational. I'm not saying that's the ideal usage for him. Probably, you know, in an alternate universe, Eric Turnock's healthy and they're able to, to use him a little more sparingly. But, you know, they've, they've clearly found another player there, uh, you know, that, that can handle some minutes. So I, they're too good of an organization to just let this go away. They're a proud organization. I think that this will be a little more fuel for them. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not making predictions for next season yet, but I'll give you a prediction. I think the Lightning will be right back in the mix, right back in the playoffs, and right back being a team that no one's going to hope to draw in the first round. Very early prediction for the 2023-2024 season uh, done right here by Chris Johnston. Anything else you want to add on the series before we quickly get to uh, a bit of a sports interaction segment and then we have to uh, discuss a few other series that uh, are pretty much done? essentially. You know, the only thing I'd say is I'm happy for the fans out there. You know, I'm happy for the people that care. I'm happy for Steve Dangle and Adam Wilde, Jesse Blake, our producer, Nick, you know, saw his video was awesome of him celebrating the overtime goal. Like, you know, I actually spoke with a few fans that stopped me in the street here down in Tampa during the series. Like a lot of people have spent a lot of time and money caring about this thing. You know, it's, it's nice for them to, it's good to have your team win every once in a while, you know? Um, I've been a team. I'm a bit a fan of, you know, like the Dallas Cowboys, the Toronto Blue Jays. And so I, I can understand what a fan goes through, especially when you get to these tight games. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for some of the individuals that I know sort of with the least organization, of course, but then also happy for kind of the city to share in that joy. You know, I don't want to see any team be down too long. I, you know, like I think Buffalo is a team, for example, like they kind of have, I have a soft spot for them now because it's just such a great hockey town and the Sabres have been, two years away from being two years away for about 10 years now. So uh, it, it actually finally seems that that's an organization turning the corner. But I guess my point is I, I hope not to see any organization's fans have to go 20 years between series wins. Cause that's, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of getting kicked uh, with the, you know, in the, you know, where. Oh yeah. New York Islanders fans know all about that. 
And I wonder how they're feeling after these uh, this past weekend. But anyway, um, let's get to sports interaction real quick. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Oilers. We have to talk about the Winnipeg Jets because that is a team that is going to be going through a lot of interesting changes this offseason. But let's get to you can bet that first. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, two Canadian teams remain in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Will a Canadian team reach the Stanley Cup final? Yes, uh, is at plus 110, according to Sports Interaction. No, at minus 153. The Leafs and the Oilers, there are people who want both of those teams to play against each other in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, do you think? Well, actually, I mean, if you've been paying attention to CJ's predictions, he, of course, believes a Canadian team will make the Stanley Cup finals. Am I right? Yeah, I'm not changing that. Nothing nothing new from what I've seen has made me think otherwise. And, and you know, as I said earlier, I, th- I think any of the eight teams in the second round have a shot. And so you're talking about one quarter of the field being based in Canada. I, 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 I'm comfortable saying yes. I think we're going to see a Canadian team in the final. I don't know if they're going to win. I, obviously, I predicted the Oilers to win the Cup. But, um, you know, I'm, I don't have all of the answers yet here in my crystal globe in the Tampa airport. But... Uh, <laughs> But I do think I do think we're going to see at least one Canadian team in the final. All right. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game in game best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. And on the other side of this, we're going to talk about uh, the team that uh, Con- uh, not Connor. Well, Connor McDavid definitely wants to be in the finals. But CJ uh, would like to see him in the finals as well. You guys hear that? That is the best kind of notification. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling shoes, whether you're selling socks, whether you're selling stickers with Jesse Blake's face on it, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. It's also packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify giving you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and to take it to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and to try Shopify today. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash johnston, all lowercase, shopify.com slash johnston to take your business to the next level today. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 every day because I want better gut health, sustained energy, a better immune system, and I'm really fed up of having to go to the pharmacy and buying a boatload of these different vitamins when I could just add a little bit of powder to my water and I get 75 high-quality ingredients that give me daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. 
It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps almost everybody take great care of their health every single day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you, you, a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your very first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. That's athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. Go check it out. Hours after the Toronto Maple Leafs get the job done in their first round series, the Edmonton Oilers do so uh, in game six of their series against the Los Angeles Kings. A late goal from Kyler Yamamoto uh, sends the Oilers to the second round and we get Oilers versus Golden Knights in the second round, which means we get Connor McDavid versus Jack Eichel. I got to say, that is a very enticing matchup in the Western Conference. I love it. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Yes, and you, I've got my Mia Culpa out of the way for Vegas, so I'm, I'm starting with a fresh sheet when describing the Golden Knights. I think it's going to be a good series. And, you know, kind of interesting, you know, the, the Oilers close it out in, in California on the road. They're going to stay on the road, I believe, right through till the, the next round. And so they're going to get some time in warmer locales and, and get ready for the playoffs and have to open that series you know, in T-Mobile Arena. And, you know, it's funny. One of the underrated things, Julian, that, about going to a game in Tampa is you get to talk to Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman lives in Sarasota and attends most Lightning games up in the press box. And I actually had a chat with him in the second intermission on Saturday night. And he was mentioning that of the games he saw live this year, that the, the Vegas was the team that might have impressed him the most, believe it or not. And so... I will gladly defer to Scotty Bowman and someone with his resume, his experience, and someone who's still so dialed in. I mean, that's what's awesome about him. He's he's as big a fan of the sport now as I think ever and, and knows all the players and tendencies and all those types of things. But, uh, you know, I, we weren't talking about Vegas directly head-to-head with Edmonton, but he just had pointed out he really liked the way that that, that, that team played when he saw them, um, you know, come through Tampa this year. So I think they're going to be a very tough test for, for Edmonton and, um, you know, this is where it gets really hard. I think not that that was an easy series with LA. Certainly the Oilers were pushed and they had some back and forth games and overtimes and, and those types of things. Um, but now, now they're going to be facing an opponent who has, has been there a, a fair bit, has a lot of experienced players in important positions Has Mark Stone back healthy. And, you know, I haven't actually done my second round prediction, so I don't, I'm not sure who I'm, I guess I got to pick Edmonton in the series to, to stick with my bet of them making to the cup final. Um, but I, I think it's my gut tells me like a seven gamer if, if that's how it plays out. Yeah, it's kind of tough for us to do predictions considering the fact that there are still some series that are incomplete, including uh, Monday night's game seven between the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils, in which uh, there is a bet on the line between you and I, sir. Yes. I'll make sure that's remembered. Oh, I, 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 I just have my game seven face on. Yes, clearly, clearly. But um, I will say this too with the Vegas Golden Knights because I too need to be a couple with that. I thought uh, goaltending would essentially let them down, especially in the series against the Winnipeg Jets, which we will get to in a moment. Um, but they have the talent to do so up front. They have the defense. They have the pieces there. Jack Eichel cannot be understated in all of this. He had a slow start in that series against Winnipeg. He has since woken up as well and is you know emerging as the gamer that the Golden Knights wanted him to be. I, I think for this team, uh, you know, as long as those pieces keep clicking and Laurent Brassois does a good job in net, this could go seven. They could win it, but 
if you're Edmonton, just with the pieces that you have, Leon Dreisaitl being as effective as he's been, Connor McDavid, we're not gonna we're not gonna short sight Connor McDavid at all. They have the firepower to go at it. That's why I'm so excited about this series. There's so much that could happen. You know, one of the things you didn't spotlight about Vegas that I like is I really think Bruce Cassidy is a great coach, and and he is. You know, I, I think that shone through a bit in the Winnipeg series. Uh, Vegas is really well prepared, uh, plays a structured game. And, you know, Bruce has been there, too. He was all the way. He was coaching in a game seven of the Stanley Cup final in 2019. And, you know, for him, unfortunately, his Bruins came out on the bad end of it with St. Louis. But, you know, he's he's also got a lot of experience in these moments and I think knows how to push the right buttons with his team. And so this this is this is a heavyweight series kind of thing to me. Like this is the stakes are real because, you know, I, I don't know who you're going to be facing in the Western Conference final. But as I say, like, I just feel like everybody left in this tournament is going to have this feeling like I can, we can do it. We can be the ones. And so I think it actually is going to up some of the urgency in round two. I don't, I don't think we're going to have as many mismatches uh, as sometimes we've had in the past. For some reason, the second round sometimes has produced some one-sided series. Uh, but certainly I don't see Edmonton Vegas shake, shaping up that way. And really the way the other ones are lining up too, I think it's, it's going to be a pretty competitive second round. One team that will not be part of the second round uh, is the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they lose to the Golden Knights, and Rick Bonus, obviously not happy about it with some of his comments, said post-game. Uh, when he was uh, brought up again to the media a couple days after that, didn't really shy away from those again. Uh, but uh, some players like Blake Wheeler probably would have preferred that he kept some of those feelings about his team uh, in the background, uh, not sure if you saw Siege, but uh, Kevin Chevel Dayoff not too long ago announced that uh, Rick Bonus will be back for next season as head coach. So I'm very intrigued about the direction that they will go. Connor Hellebuck has mentioned that he's not interested in any type of rebuild. Uh, if the Jets go there and he obviously wants to compete, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked of this Winnipeg Jets squad. What do you think of of their exit? What do you think of 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 Bonus's questions? I don't know where you want to start with this, but we have to dissect this Winnipeg Jets team. Well, you know what's interesting about what Rick Bonus said. In addition to being very candid and frustrated in the you know the moments after their loss in Game Five, when he when he spoke to reporters briefly, you know he called out the top players, and it's something he did down the stretch of the season too. Like he he didn't just say generally the team you know disgusted him or whatever. I mean he's he's without naming names, he's pointing his flashlight at the, the big money guys, some of the guys that are going to have contractual situations on the horizon. You know, what's what will be interesting to see is is these decisions don't all have to be made this summer, right? This is really a summer 2024 issue for the Jets uh, when it comes to Hellbuck's contract being up Wheeler, Shifley. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has one more year as a restricted free agent. He needs a new contract now, but in theory could, could, could play his way out to unrestricted free agency. But I... I I think if we're being realistic, you know, Kevin Chevalier and his staff are going to have to work through at least some of those decisions this summer. Um, you know, there's nothing to say they couldn't bring all those players back and then have the potential of max es- max exodus uh, in free agency a year from now, or maybe bring some of those players back and think about trading them at the deadline as rentals. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things on the table, but you know, it stands out to me that uh, that he's calling out the top guys and some of those top guys are the ones that whose futures are murky. I mean, I wonder about Hellebuck in particular, just cause he, he is such a great goaltender and, and those players, you know, goalies like him don't typically change teams too often. I, you know, I just wonder, you know, if he's someone that they can convince that they're on a path to keep around because he was, he couldn't have been more clear that he wants to win a Stanley cup. 
And, you know, it's not that the Jets don't want to win a Stanley Cup, but, you know, I think there's a debate about where, you know, what the path is for them from where they are right now, if, if they're going to have to take a step back before trying to surge forward. Man, I'm just trying to picture Connor Hellebuck in a different jersey. Like, what if, Pitt, what if like, the Pittsburgh Penguins, for example, they've already been married to the contracts they've given to some of their big guns. They try to make a deal for Connor Hellebuck, as an example. Or, or what if a team like, maybe like a team like New Jersey, for example. Yes, they have Akira Schmidt, who's doing really well in this postseason. But what if they say, you know what? Give him more time to be the backup. Move out Vitek Vanacek. Connor Hellebuck goes there. I know I'm just kind of just spitballing here. I'm not looking at the cap-friendly pages and all that. But, like, if Connor Hellebuck says, you know what? Get me out of here. Like, that would be a very, very interesting trade list for this guy. It would. And look, anyone who would be acquiring him, or even if it's Winnipeg thinking about extending him, you know, you're probably you're probably paying him ten million bucks on the next contract, right? Like you're probably taking him into the sort of stratosphere that you know Carey Price has been, or you know Sergey Bobrovsky earned that that kind of deal in free agency with Florida. I mean, not a lot of goalies get there. Seems like five to six million is kind of the range for players that are. are above average at the position, maybe not the superstars, you know, it's Vasilevsky, I think is in the 8 million range, you know, needless to say, Connor Hellebuck probably has a case to be the highest paid goalie in the league or among the highest paid goalies in the league, depending on who's making that call. And so it's not necessarily the kind of contract Winnipeg would typically sign. I mean, we'll just have to see how it plays out. You know, at this stage, there haven't really been discussions. So at this stage, it's all conjecture. Um, but you're starting to see the lines being drawn, right? You got Connor Hellebuck coming out and saying, these are the conditions I need to keep wanting to play here. Uh, you, you've got, you know, certainly some questions still about the, the core group of that team um, with, with the head coach, Rick Bonus, who's going to be back, by the way. Um, yeah, as I mentioned. Yeah, like, so he's going to be back. And, and so, yeah, it'll be, I, I think that the potential for fireworks in Winnipeg is real. You know, we'll see what happens with your Calgary Flames there. Um, oh you know, boy, that's that's a whole other thing in itself. Right. That's but a I'm whole saying, other thing in itself. If we get into that, we're not going to have time. Another another team that's got some questions, you know, Vancouver. You know, maybe some of the heats off Toronto, but there's big decisions this summer, nonetheless. So it's going to be going to be a newsy summer in the the Canadian NHL cities, and, and Winnipeg's probably the, the hottest destination with the most potential chaos. I have to say though, when we're talking about the Winnipeg Jets and their core. Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler, those are two names whose futures are going to be up in the air, you know, whether the team puts it out that way or a fan speculated about it. Like one thing I kept seeing a lot from Jets fans is that they're fed up of the core. They're tired of this team. They're tired of everything that they've endured. How, if you're looking at changes, how do you not look at those two players who have been around this team as long as they have? And, and they have, I guess, some of the more mercurial personalities in that locker room. Like you look at the core those two faces in particular, I know Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck are there, but Shifley and Wheeler are two of the faces you notice. Well, and the players have a say too, right? I mean, both of them have the option just to play out a year and go to unrestricted free agency. I mean, Wheeler's much older. He's he's probably at the stage of his career where he's looking to go play for a true, you know, absolute contender because he doesn't know how many years he has left. Uh, so I don't think it'd be at all surprising to see him move on at the end of his deal if, if the Jets don't move him beforehand. You know, is a little different proposition. He was the first ever draft pick in the rebooted Jets and has been a core member of the team and has been a productive member of the team um, for a long time. But does he want to continue in that or not? And and it feels like a little bit of a, a strained marriage, I'd say, <laughs> at times. You know, which 
you know, I make this point a lot, but I, I think people should understand that's not always a bad thing. Like, like there's a lot of pressure on people in sports and, you know, sometimes that strain comes from, you know, both sides maybe having a different view of how to get the job done, but it's cause it's cause the care is there, right? It's not, it's not to say it's a bad thing. I just, I guess what I mean is it's not all sunshine and roses and happy days uh, when you're, when you're in the kind of fishbowl that, that pro athletes are. And sometimes the, the GMs and coaches that, that interact with them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to shake down with Shifley. Remember he was pretty honest a year ago, but seemingly wondering about his future there. You know, I think that you'll probably get some resolution. I, if you're not extending him, I would think at some point this summer, you're, you're probably looking to trade him. If he doesn't want to sign an extension, I mean, That'll be an interesting call, um, but but not a lot of players in his position end up playing out that final year um, in their market. I mean, look, David Pasternak started this year in Boston without a contract. They got that deal done. Uh, it's it certainly happened, but I'm not sure that the, the the level of distraction that that would bring about might not be worth it for for everyone involved, the player and the team. Uh, anything else you want to add about the Jets before you run to your flight? No, I think I'm. I think I'm good, man. I'm. I'm running low on fumes here. There's not a lot of gas in the tank right yeah. now. Yeah, I could tell. Uh, that's why. For normally, we would do the the first episode of the week would be ask CJ. We're gonna move all the questions and stuff to Thursday, so we're gonna take all that uh, on that day and some other hockey news as it comes along. You get yourself some rest as soon as you can get it, my man. A great coverage in the first round of this series for the Leafs. Uh, looking forward to more of your coverage in round two. And of course, more of these episodes at the CJ show, my man. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome time of year. I don't want to seem like I'm complaining. It's just been a few nights of three hours sleep one after another. Yeah, seriously, get yourself some sleep. And uh, for everyone watching and listening, subscribe to the podcast, however you consume the podcast. And again, Thursday, we will have ask CJ as opposed to the episode you're listening to right now Uh, for CJ. I'm Julian. So long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.